Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. If you haven't had an opportunity to go on a mission trip with Grace Church, I encourage you to do that. We're going all over the place, the Dominican every year, Uganda every year. We're going to Mexico this year. Next year, we're going to the Philippines. Potentially next year, maybe the following, but by 2025, I'd love to take a team of people to Israel. And, um, and I'm just saying that it's a good time to be involved in missions, amen? And I am telling you what, if you go, if you will answer the call to go, God will use you in ways that you never thought that God could use you. So I want to take just a few moments here this morning, and I want to talk to you about the importance of serving. Let's talk about serving. Nothing captures the character and the heart of God more than when we go, when we serve, when we go and love people, when we do for people what it is that maybe potentially they cannot do for themselves. And I want you to know this church, that you were created to serve. Like that's, that's your purpose is to serve. Now check this out. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, that the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve himself. So Jesus himself came to pour out his life as a ransom for many. Amen. How many of you are thankful for that today? That your life is very different because of the service that Jesus has done for us. Because of, because of what he was able to do that we couldn't do for, him, for ourselves. I also just want to say, listen, if, if the children want to be um, released at this time, I know that they've got the class ready and set up for you in the past. I was getting, I was getting the vibes from this section over here that, that I missed something I did. So children, have a great time in class today. Let's put our hands together for our kids. What I want to share with you is the very first year, I believe believe we've been going to the Dominican Republic now for six years. We had to skip one year because of that nasty old COVID, right? And, um, And so we've been going to the DR Uh, for six years. First of all, the incredible thing about that is, is the kids that my wife and I sponsor personally, we've seen them grow up from here to about here. It's crazy whenever these kids that you meet when they're about this big, you know, they're looking you right square in your eyeballs. A lot can change in a six year period, right? But I remember the very first year we did a lot of work And then we always like, when we go to the Dominican Republic, we always like to end at the beach. Why? Because the Dominican Republic has some of the most beautiful beaches on the planet. I'm telling you what, if you've never been, you got to go. It's incredible. And, um, and it's part of God's creation, right? You can't look at nature and say, man, how in the world is there, you know, could anybody think that there is no God? So I remember the first year that I had gone, I thought, man, I'm going to go for a little stroll down the beach. And I thought that the resort that we were staying at, we had a day pass, a one day pass at the resort. I thought it was nice. But as I walked down the beach, I came to a resort at the very end where there was a little peninsula that came out. 
I came to that resort, and I'm telling you what, everything was just immaculate. Somebody say immaculate. Somebody say beautiful. Somebody say spectacular. Somebody say amazing. That's exactly what it was. And all of the people that worked there were all of those things as well. Man, they were dressed well. You could tell that they were probably the best servants of, uh, of all the people um, that, that worked in the, in the resorts. And I was like, wow, that's, that's just incredible. The pool was just, was just amazing. So, so anyway, we leave and then we go back and, and, and then COVID hits and then we go back again. And in a few years, let me just tell you that that resort, because I, I would walk down there every, every year, that resort, um, it was not able to weather the storm of COVID for whatever reason. I don't know if the owners purchased it at a high price and then COVID hit and, and tourism went way down. But I'm telling you what, that that, that, that resort and Nicole, this, just so you know, it's the resort exactly where we spread Sarah's ashes. It was that, that corner peninsula. And so, so I'm just telling you that for whatever reason, it was not able to sustain the downturn in the, in the economy and the hardships that everybody went through during COVID. And so when I went back, there had only been a few years, two years maybe. And I'm telling you everything in that resort, that most amazing resort was dilapidated. It was broke down. I'm telling you, the weather had been just so hard on it, harsh on it. And then this time they had yellow tape, caution tape around the whole place. You could tell that somebody had purchased it, but the renovation process is just going to be horrendous, man. They're taking up all the tile. They're redoing everything basically from scratch. But this is what I want to tell you, church. That resort was built to be used. And just a few short years of not being used, it was broke down and dilapidated. I'm telling you this, why? Because you were created for a purpose, on purpose and for a purpose. And if we choose not to go, if we choose not to serve, if we choose not to be a church that's, that's, that's focused on, yes, let's serve our own community starting here. It would be ridiculous for us to go someplace else, but not pay attention to where, where God has positioned and planted us. But I want you to know this, that God has blessed you. And you'll find this out when you go to a third world country. God has blessed you greater than he's blessed a lot of people and there's a responsibility that comes along with that. And that responsibility is to take a little bit of what it is that you have and to take a little bit of your time that you've been blessed with and, and make the lives of other people that don't have it quite like we have it just a little bit better. And if you believe that, just give me a good amen this morning. So real quick, missions, trips are life changing, especially somebody say, especially especially whenever it deals with children, especially when it deals with children. Come on. I'm telling you, there's so many scriptures where the disciples and, and, and people were just like, listen, they're telling the children, no, don't bug the master talking about Jesus. And he's saying, listen, how about you go sit down and bring the children to me? How about you back up? Give me some space because the children are a big part in a plan of God's own heart. And so when we serve the children, I'm telling you, we serve a good thing. That's why I love Operation 
365, uh, you know, the, the, the Christmas boxes that we do. And this is why I love our youth ministry that's thriving and the people that serve our youth. And, and this is why I love One Child because they're all about the children. It's all about the children. Amen. And um, so there's three reasons why there's three reasons why missions can be life-changing. Number one, there's joy in serving others. Let me tell you this, there's something supernatural that happens when we take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on somebody else. And guess what? There's something supernatural that happens when we, when, we, when, we, when we cross over our fears of going. When we cross over, we took a, a person on this trip that was afraid to fly. When we cross over our fear of flying. When we cross over our fear of water. When we cross over our fear of, of just things being different than what we're used to. And we go, I'm telling you, there's something supernatural that happens. On missions... Any mission you go on, when you go in the name of the Lord, um, I want you to know that you extend God's love every single place that you go. I'm telling you, when we were back at the hotel, some people might have thought that our mission was over. You know what I'm saying? We're not dealing with the kids, but how many of you know that there's hurting people even in the hotel that you're staying at? And so you may be an extension of God's love for the first time that they've ever experienced God's love. It might come through you and it might come through the most, the most crazy time, the time that you were least expecting it. Right. And, um, and that's huge. And you get the opportunity to be a witness to life change happening right in front of you. And I'm telling you, that's fantastic. The second thing that happens is you broaden your perspective. You begin to, you, your eyes begin to realize that your norm, your normal is not the normal that everybody else calls normal. And your eyes are, your eyes are opened to this idea that, wow, not everybody lives just like I do. Like, listen, I've been home now for three full days. I think three full days. Maybe two full days. I don't know. I've been home for a minute, uh, just a minute. And I'm still reaching for my water bottle to brush my teeth with. Why? Because if you make the mistake of putting your toothbrush, just your toothbrush, up underneath the faucet. All of our team, we put bags over the faucet as to not make the mistake of just rinsing your tooth. You're just doing something so harmless, a little, a little rinse. You're not drinking it. But I'm telling you what, one second of your toothbrush under the running water that you have in your Americanized hotel, mind you. Because a lot of people don't even have that where they live, running water. And so one second, you're going to be feeling it for the next three or four days, I promise you. And if you felt it, somebody say amen. amen. I know some of you guys have been to Mexico and, and different places and made that mistake. And so, so listen, your norm is not like everybody else's norm. Their norms are very different. And people are people wherever it is that you go. I can tell you this, the same problems we deal with here are the same problems that they deal with there. But the cultures are different. And it's good. It's good to learn the culture. You know, there was one day... We had, we had three interpreters with us. Check this out. All of them were under the age of 27 years old. One was just over uh, 20 in her early 20s. And then there was a 25-year-old and a 27-year-old. 
these three interpreters that we had, one of them was a doctor, one of them was a lawyer, and one of them was a dentist. And I'm just telling you, when you go, you will find some of the most spectacular people that you'll ever get an opportunity to meet on the planet just whenever you're meeting your interpreters. These kids were sharp. I call them kids because that's what they are to me. They're young and I'm just admiring. Come on, all that they've succeeded and all that they've done to accomplish where it is that they are. You know, a doctor, a doctor, a good doctor in the Dominican Republic, a good doctor makes, and this is a great wage over there, $700 a month. A doctor. So it's hard wherever you go. But I'm telling you, you would never know. You would never know it because the smiles and the joy and the peace and the laughter. But this, we were all gathered together and I had my team and I've had these conversations before. But I asked the question, I had our team and then their team. And I asked them, I said, I said this and I wanted to make sure everybody was paying attention. I said, what is the most difficult thing that you found in dealing with Americans? And all of them were like, I ain't saying nothing. I am not saying anything. But I said, listen, this is very important. And, and, and please, and give us the unfiltered version, which you'll never get the unfiltered version because these people are just, they're just so genuine and so caring and compassionate and good-hearted people. I had to do more work to get them to speak than them just answering the question. And so they didn't want to answer this question, but our teams around said, no, listen, this is good for us. We need to learn. We need to, we, we got things to learn from you as well. And, and, and anyway, the topic came up. There was a few things. Boy, once one of them started, they all just, no, I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> all they needed was a little ice breaking. And no, no, no. But the truth is the biggest thing that came up is, is that they said that Americans think that our standard way of doing things sets the standard. And so anytime we see something different than how we do things, we, we, we say things like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't do it like that. And they were just being honest. And they said this, like, this is our country and our country is different than your country. And this is our culture and our culture is different than your culture. But yet Americans, they come in and they will say, listen, that this is the only way that this can work. And they said, sometimes that's a frustration. Can I tell you this? One of the greatest things that you can do when you go on mission is to ask questions instead of always giving advice. Because I'm telling you what, I have learned more. Never one time have I gone on a mission, left more of a deposit in the lives of the people that we were serving. Never have I left more of a deposit than what I've received. I have always come home more enriched, more blessed, come on, more educated than I've gone. And so, so listen, when we go, Understand that just because we are blessed in where it is that we lived, and yes, we've got some amazing qualities about our country, but I'm telling you what, they can teach us some things about theirs as well. Amen? And there's a great exchange that takes place. 
And so, number three is this, your faith is going to grow. Your faith, when you go, your faith is going to grow. I was thinking this morning, what would be a good illustration? This is a good illustration to grab hold of this. Imagine this, you got a brand, you've always wanted to have a sailboat. I'm not talking a rinky-dinky little sailboat that you're just going to kind of hang out at Lake Walcott. And that's cool and all. But I'm talking about a real sailboat that you could take out into the ocean. And you really need to know what it is that you're doing when you you go sailing on this awesome sailboat that you just purchased, but you have to go to classes to become a captain of your own sailboat. You got to learn how, you know what I mean, to read a compass. You've got to learn all the gauges and what it is that they mean. And you've got to learn how it is that the sea moves and, and currents move and wind and all of that, because the sail is what's going to get you to where it is that you're wanting to go. So imagine this, you're a brand new We'll just call it a sailor. You've gone through your schooling. You've learned all of your instruments. And then all of a sudden, it's time to put it to the test. And you launch out. You've got some safety nets with you, but they're just kind of letting you figure it out by yourself. And every single thing that you do, it feels like you're fighting against the ocean. You're fighting against the wind. You haven't learned the rhythms of the sea. And I'm just saying this, that you're struggling at every turn and nothing is going right. You're supposed to be going north and you're actually going south. So all of that classroom education has done you no good until it's put to the test. But this is the deal is with a little bit of time, you learn the rhythms of the sea. You learn how the wind works. You learn how to dance with the elements that you're, instead of fighting against, you're using those elements to help you to get where it is that you need and you become more and more confident. And let me tell you, my friend, that this is exactly what happens when you make the decision to go. When you, when you step out, it's gonna feel like, man, I don't even have, has anybody ever seen like a horse, a brand new horse that's been born? Like their legs, they can't even hold themselves up. That's exactly how you're going to feel on your first mission trip. But I'm telling you what, with a little bit of time and with a little bit of help from the Lord, you're going to get some strength and your faith is going to grow. I promise you, if you say yes to the go, you're going to return stronger than, than how you left. Amen? And so I encourage you, absolutely encourage you to go. Matthew 25, 40 says this, truly I tell you that whatever you did for the least of these, talking about women, talking about children, talking about people that have it a little bit uh, more difficult than what it is that you have it. When you do something for somebody else that is in a, in a more difficult situation, like if you have a solution for somebody and you do that, you, do, you use your life to help them. You're doing it unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Boy, that was weird. <laughs> I kind of said the same thing twice. When you do it for them, you do it unto him. Amen? All right. So listen, my encouragement is to begin to step out even when it's scary. Pray. Like, listen, this is what a prayer goes. Lord. I know we're going to be going to Mexico this year. I know that there's a team of people going to Uganda in December. I know that we're going back to the Dominican Republic in May or April. We haven't got that nailed down yet, but to serve the children that we sponsor. 
that we support in this church. We're going to go meet them. We're going to Israel a couple of years. We're going to do some great things. Going to the Philippines maybe next year. Lord, what is it that you would want me to do? And when the Lord begins to speak to you, it doesn't mean that fear is going to be removed. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be some stresses like, how am I going to afford this? Or listen, if you're supposed to go, God's going to make a way. Same thing is true. You might be here today and you're like, listen, I'm kind of, I'm kind of month to month. If you're supposed to support a child through One Child Matters today, and it makes a huge difference, God will make a way. Amen. So just be obedient to whatever it is that the Lord's calling you to do. We got some quick testimonies that we're going to have. Uh, who do we want to go first? Let's, uh, is Courtney in here? Nope, she's not in here. J-Rod. Let's start it off with the man, Mr. J. Rodriguez. This is his first mission trip that he's gone on. What a joy to be able to spend. Now listen. We know him as J-Rod. We know him as Jay. He's got a new name. This is the boss. He's known by the boss everywhere he goes now. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. You going to tell him why? I'll tell him why then. Let me tell you why I got nicknamed the boss. When we were um, spending our last couple of days there, we were on the beach. And, you know, there were some, some vendors there. And they're totally legit. It's not like they're just off the street trying to sell you something that they made in their home. You know, it's all good stuff, good merchandise. We actually bought some. But a little cop-out for our Pastor Travis, they'd come to him and say, hey, man, you want to buy, quieres comprar algo, you know? No, 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 no. Ask the boss. He's the boss. Ask him. Ask the boss. Yeah. That's how, that's how I got nicknamed the boss. Because he didn't want him to talk to him. Because they hear boss, they're like, oh, pues el jefe, let's go. So they came to me right away. But... Another nickname that stuck to me that I really enjoyed was, um, I mean, they, they see, you know, 12 of us, 11 of them are very light-skinned, and then there's me. So, you know, they're trying to, this is one of our pastors, yeah, you know, I mean, I told them all, you know, when they'd ask my name, I said, pues me llamo Joel, pero todos me dicen Jay, my name's Joel, but everybody just calls me Jay, um, and so they would forget, so they were asking, uh, who was it? Krista, I think, Yes. Hey, what's his name? What's his name? And so she's like, oh, his name's Jay. His name's Jay. And he goes, um, hey, Mexico. Mexico, you over there. So, yeah, I got, I got that nickname, too. It was great. It was great. Um, but no, man, everything that Pastor Travis just said is the exact, exact truth. It is 100% life-changing. Um, for me, I, I got to go, like he said, for my first time, and... What I wanted to talk about was kind of what your, first, what your first point was, and that's just God's love. Everywhere I went, you know, I, I went into this with zero expectation just to kind of let God do what he was going to do. And uh, it just blew everything out of the water. It was absolutely amazing. From the very beginning, from the time when we were just, when Nicole and I said, you know, when we made the choice, we're going to go, seeing God's love of everybody giving, donating, helping support us to be able to financially be able to go, God's love right there showing up. The very first time we, uh, we get there, well, I mean, I had a little, because I'm Mexico, I had to spend a little more time in the um, immigration service offices than the others, but that's okay. It's okay. We got through because of God's love. I got to go through. I didn't have to get arrested. I didn't have to spend no time, too much time back there. Everything was great. We get there. The people 
are so amazing. The, the translators, the, uh, they, they became our friends really quick. And like he said, their heart was just so open and so willing to help every step of the way. The patience that it takes for four, three to four people to translate for all of us to all 100 of these kids and their parents, everything, is just all love, man. Everywhere we went. And the kids, man, the kids, that's, that's, that's what really did it for me. That's what set me over the top was seeing the kids' purity, their, their pure love, their pure joy for us when they saw us there, the welcome that they gave us. We were like, like celebrity millionaires to them, you know, going and showing up there. And they were just so happy just to be around us, let alone when we started to share the love of God and when we started to do work in their hope centers in their church and giving them gifts and, and, and just talking to them and just going and spending time with them at church, having VBS with them. Um, going to the park with them everywhere. It was just, they were just so happy and so appreciative of everything that we had to offer them. And to us, it wasn't much, but to them, it was the world. And just their love for God, no matter, no matter how poverty stricken they looked to us, they had it all. They had it all because they had God's love. You would not have known that some of these kids were going through what they were going through because they got to just love the Lord in its purest form. And, and the ways that the 12 of us got to be with just each other, some of the things that we got to experience, I don't want to share every detail because I don't know what the others are going to talk about. Uh, God's love. God's love was just in the middle of it all. Everything that we got to do with each other, even 12 of us being together, I'm sure there were times when we probably got on each other's nerves, but probably didn't know it because God's love was upon us amongst each other, knowing what we were there to do. And um, just when we left, it, it was so hard to say goodbye um, but God's love is just everywhere. That was the biggest thing that I took from it. No matter what we're going through, what issues we have, they're going through things as well in their third world country and the things that they have going on in their life. God's love is there. God's love is everywhere. It is not hard to find. If you just make the decision to look for it just a little bit, you'll see God's love. And Pastor Travis and I got to have some great conversations. And one of the things that he said that I was trying to say, but he said it better was, um, I shouldn't be surprised by God and the ways that he shows up in my life, but still I am because he just always shows up. God's love everywhere. All right, Nicole, come on up here, please. And then we'll have Krista and then we will end with Courtney. Somebody's going to have to go rescue Courtney, I think. Oh, there she is. I saw you. I had to bring note cards because I like to relive my ninth grade speech class, you know, because <laughs> I forget stuff. Um, so this all started for us, I think it was last September or October, we're sitting right over there, and I looked over at Jay and I'm like, the next mission trip, like the next Spanish-speaking mission trip, we have to do it, like we have to do it. But then the next week, they announced the mission trip for the DR, I was like, oh, like not right now now, like next time. <laughs> so I really knew that we were supposed to go. I knew that it was Dominican was one of the places that Sarah had wanted me to put her ashes. So I knew that I was gonna go there. And what I was worried about is how are we gonna afford this? Like, I don't got this kind of money. And so I'm like, I'm gonna put it on Facebook and I'm gonna ask my friends, you know, and just ask them. And it was crazy, like, I didn't have anything to give. Like, I just said, can you give us money so we can go? And like, friends, family, people on my work page that I don't even know donated. Someone like from high school donated like a big chunk of money that I haven't seen in like 25 years. So it was just amazing. And so they're not giving note cards. So I didn't know what to expect. I only knew what Sarah had told me and all her, you know, advice. But what I didn't know was how much, I know Jay kind of said it, that 
they helped me. I know we we're supposed to go there for them, and it sounds so cliche, but really, like, they helped me. They made me sit back and evaluate how very, very blessed we are. This year has been really rough. Like, we have just been hit and hit after one financial thing after another. But what's crazy about that is we don't know financial stress. Like, whenever we have all these things, God just, you know, like, money's not just showing up at our door. But God has given me more work than I could handle to pay for those bills. But these people don't have that. They don't have a way to just go out and work extra to find a job to pay for um, the things that they have there. Um, so we, oh yeah, I was just going to say, thank you God that we always have food to eat. My kids have clothes. We're healthy. All the things that you don't understand. You know, you take, a, you take um, it for granted that you put your trash out on the curb every week and somebody comes and picks it up. Because that's not happening there. Trash is everywhere, just piled up. And it just makes me so sad that this is just what they have to live in. Um, Pastor Travis had said on the trip that we can let a trip like this affect us for as long as we want to. And I am praying right now that God will let it affect me forever. I want this feeling and this high and this joy that I have in my heart and my desire to go back to be here forever. So that's my prayer. So pray with me that it stays. Um, I have a blank card. This is for me to, so I could share without writing it down. Two things I want to say. One, my favorite thing was, was we were with like a little women's group and Tina said, let the women pray together. So we're up here and they're down there. They speak Spanish, we speak English. We, you get together with like three ladies. I don't know what they're saying. They don't know what I'm saying, but we're all crying. It was just like, <laughs> so Holy Spirit. Like, it's like, it's like for a second, you knew what their hearts were saying. What you're, it was just, so that was one of my favorite things. And then we're, Krista and I are walking on the beach because we can't find Courtney, story of my life. <laughs> so we're gonna go for a long walk on the beach to find Courtney and Lavana. And we get over there forever down the beach. And Lavana's like, hurry, come here, come here, can we go? And there's just this perfect heart rock. Someone had made a big rock, or rocks into a big heart. And for anyone who knows that when we see a heart, I think of Sarah and I love her. And I said, this is where we got to do her ashes. And so I was so thankful for that. And what was really weird is like, it was good, but we didn't go back until the next day. Somebody came and fixed those hearts and like made it into, like made it perfect for us. So I don't know who did that, but thank you, Jesus, um, for that. So, and then the last thing I want to say, Pastor Gio Hennis, we were at the center, was like wanted to pray for everyone. So he gets Jay and I together and he's praying over us and he said, the J and I are going to go on many missions. So I tried to back out a little bit. Like <laughs> He's talking about someone else. So he said, we're going to go on many missions and we're going to go internationally. So I believe it. So for people who can't go for whatever the reason is, I pray that you would, if you can't go, then send people. If it's not us, then send others because it is, it's good for us. It's good for them. It's good for this whole church. So. Great job. Krista Cope. Uh, how do you say strawberry in fresa? This was, this is now not Krista, it's fresa. All right. Everybody's got a nickname. I'll, I'll give you the insider information later. Hi, I missed you guys so much. Oh my gosh. We're just a blessed church. Um, I have a couple new names, fresa or Sirena, which is mermaid. All the kids called me mermaid there. Um, the pastors and the kids actually named me that. 
Um, I just want to say what an honor it was to serve in the Dominican Republic with my team. Um, I'm eternally grateful for what God led us to do there. The hearts of the Dominican people uh, are infused with the love for God. Like, you could see it and feel it everywhere, like all around. Um, the bonds we created were priceless. Getting attached to, I mean, every single kid, there was over a hundred, like every single one you just like, it was crazy. And the pastors, the Ojenas and Pedro and their wives, they were just such a blessing on us. Um, the people of the church, our one ch child team, um, Yayuri, not Yoda. <laughs> Claudette, um, both Jesus's <laughs> and Calis. Um, it was extremely emotional roller coaster for me. It wrecked me. Um, we formed a bond of family fellowship. Like you could literally feel the spirit move every second you stepped into the church, the hope centers, the playground, the bus, <laughs> um, praying over the children, the women praying for each other, the men praying for each other. The power of prayer was felt from you guys back home. Um, our hearts were changed instantly. I know I can say that for everyone. Um, you could see it in every one of our faces every single day. Um, this next part, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure our testimony, all of our testimonies coincide. As the humbling thankfulness set in, I received a spiritual awakening while being prayed over by Theo Hennis. I was told what was holding me back, and I felt a little stagnant in my walk. Um, he told me I needed new armor and a spiritual cleanse, and it was just so powerful how God worked through him. Um, my heart felt full, looking around at each child, interacting with the adults. In fact, um, all of us adults found our inner child. <laughs> like childlike faith, that's all 12 of us and our translators, everybody. It was just so incredible. In those short nine days, the blessing was truly ours. Um, worship was amazing this morning, you guys. <laughs> and let me tell you, everything we did, we ended in worship, everything. Um, painting the church ended in worship, whether it was English and Spanish, and then push-ups. Um, VBS ended in worship and push-ups. Church worshiped together in Spanish and English. Kaylee and Jesus, the Spanish and English version of everything was just so powerful, and they sang Reckless Love together. And they sang it here today. And it happens to be my baptism song. So, the power of that is incredible. Um, honoring the memory of Sarah ended in worship. No more push-ups. <laughs> the heart-wrenching goodbyes ended in worship. Um, but let me tell you, even like eating, we would sing worship songs and then do more push-ups. Um, I'm super thankful for my church family, and I'm thankful for the conviction of God. And I'm most thankful for the rededication of baptisms. Thank you, Chris, for being my new baptism buddy. And thank you, Tina, for baptizing me in the Dominican Republic. Um, 
it was by divine appointment for all of us to be there. And I just want to let you guys know, the second we came up out of the waters of baptism, it was 3.16 p.m. So I'm just super thankful and grateful for each and every one. So thank you. Courtney Larson, our children's director. I believe this. I believe, I believe Courtney is going to be taking some of our young people to not only places like the Dominican, but many other places internationally. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, okay. I'll keep it short and sweet, just like me. Just kidding. Uh, so first, I just want to say that I'm really thankful for our children's program here. So if you're thankful for our children's program. Yeah. We have an amazing program. We have lots of volunteers and leaders in that area, and I'm forever grateful for that because we couldn't do it without you. Um, I just wanted to say, and with that, I feel like the children's programming that goes on here and in other areas is continuing to build a foundation for these kids. Um, and it's no less important there than it is here. And building that foundation is making them have this amazing childlike faith that you don't get to see all the time. And if you're not a part of the children's program, you don't get to see that every week like we do. You don't get to see those breakthroughs. You don't get to see why we're in tears every time a kid comes out of the baptismal, like today. And I'm doing my best not to correct. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. Um, with being with the kids all the time and with being over, over there and being with those children, it was just amazing to see how their eyes were capable of seeing all of those things that we were doing for them or providing for them as a miracle. Like, that was a miracle to them. And just like our, um, we, so we took our yellow and black totes over, and we didn't know if they were going to make it. And it's like, okay, we're going to pray over them. Let's hope they make it, because it has all the stuff for VBS in it, and it has some of the gifts for them for the playground. And, and so we pray over them, and we get to the airport, and here they come on the track, out, out, out of the thing. And we're like, okay, that's the first miracle. You know, yay, you know. And... But being able to see those things is a miracle. Being here and being blessed all the time, we forget those things. And we forget that the things that we see every single day are miracles. We're kind of ignorant to that. It's rough. But we are. And so to see that, it was so refreshing to realize and be able to come home and feel suffocated in my own house. Because there's so much stuff in there. And I'm like, okay, I got to get rid of everything. Everything needs to go. I don't need it. I'm fine. You know, my kids are fine. When they're complaining about something, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, we're going. You're going with me. We're going to go see, like, all the things. And I have several kids that I was like, okay, can I hand pick who gets to go? Because I've got a few in mind of yours. Uh, I mean, I could, you know, pick them out in the back. Easy. That I'm like, they need to come with me. Let's go and see these kids and bless them. And because I also know that some of those hard kids, whether it's here, there, everywhere, kids are kids are kids. It doesn't matter. You walk in that room and I'm like, oh, I'm going to hover this one. And they're like, well, why that one? I'm like, you'll see. You'll see. Like, I know this kid right away. And guess what? He's a pill. And he's mine. And I love him so much. And I'm like, because guess what? 
that kid's going to be the one that gets up and is a leader. So those leadership skills are strong in those kids, especially the hard kids. And that's why I said there's some of your kids that I would handpick. And I'm like, because I know, I know that they'll come up and they're going to be strong leaders. And they're the ones that we encourage to come into those positions and come in and be helpers. And we, they need that. We need that. And our kids even here need that example. Um, very last, I would just say, I know that I saw the sponsorship cards in the lobby and stuff. And so I think one child is doing a great job with their program. I think it's very important. It is such a minimal amount that we're giving out to this child that's making such a world of a difference and allowing them to see a miracle every single month. Guys, I mean, it's $39. $39. How, like, quickly do we walk in a store and blow $39 on garbage? And this is changing their entire outlook and giving them hope and letting them come to Jesus. And our... We take it for granted. It's $39. Like, if you don't sponsor a kid, you should be. That's all I have to say. You know, she's little on the outside. But let me tell you, as one that's been on the wrong side of Courtney. You don't want to be there. So do what she says. I'm going to have James come up here real quick and we're going to talk about one child matters. One child. Everybody put your hands together for James Grout. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to interview James about one child. The first question that I just want to ask you, sir, is tell us about yourself. Who are you? And um, how did you get connected with such a great organization? Great question. Thank you. What a privilege to be here. Let me tell you, I do not get the opportunity to, to see what I've just seen here. I, don't, I rarely am in a church when people are talking about a one-child trip that they've just returned from. And so that means a ton to me, what, um, what we've just experienced together. So privilege to be here. I'll tell you just a little bit about myself. Um, that I, This is a pretty important part of who I am. I was a youth pastor in Chicago, in the suburbs of Chicago for 20 years, and I loved it. I loved youth ministry. I loved everything about youth ministry, except for the parents and the teenagers. Yeah. I thought, other than that, <laughs> everything else was amazing. Everything else, it was no, no. so good. So, um, so when the, the time for youth ministry kind of came to an end and I was looking for something else, I didn't really know what else there was but I found this opportunity at this organization called One Child. And, um, and so I applied for it. It sounded like a really interesting job and I applied for it. But then I decided not to tell them in the interview process that I don't really like children that much. So because I, I wanted the job. Um, I do like children. I have children, they're pretty great. Um, but it's teenagers that I really love. Like I really like, I, that's, that's my youth pastor heart is for teenagers, for that uh, adolescent generation and investing in them. So, um, and I kind of made a joke about this, but it was a genuine, it was a bit of a crisis in me. Can I work for an organization that focuses on child development if, I, if my heart isn't all in? And um, I just kept quiet about it, got the job, went on my very first trip with one child, happened to be to the Dominican Republic, 
And uh, we were there with a bunch of pastors and showing them around and just help introducing them to our programs. But I was also learning about our programs for the very first time. And I was worried. I was worried that maybe I shouldn't be doing this job. Just because if I'm not passionate about it, shouldn't somebody else maybe be doing this? So uh, we're walking through the worst slum I've ever been in. I've been all around the world. I've been in some really rough places. And this is the worst slum I've ever been in. Just to give you an idea, uh, the name of the slum translated into English is Get Out If You Can. And um, I've been back there two more times since, and I've felt the same dread walking through that slum that I felt that first day. It was the middle of the morning. It was a bright, sunny day. It felt like one of the darkest places on earth. It felt unsafe. It felt, if, if I hadn't been with the pastor from the church, who used to be the leader of the gang in that community, yeah. if I hadn't been with him, I would, have been, I would have really been fearful for my life. I would have been trying to get out, which you apparently can't. So... Uh, we're walking along and I'm seeing just, I'm seeing the signs of gangs. I'm seeing the signs of drug use. I'm seeing the signs of prostitution. I'm looking around and it's true. There's garbage everywhere. There's glass everywhere. There's open sewer lines there and there's children playing right there. That's not a great place for children to play. It's a really bad place for children to play, but that's the place they have. And as we walked through there, I felt like it was a war zone. Got to the end of the walk and the walk was actually, there was a destination. We were going somewhere. We were going to the home of one of the girls who was a part of our Hope Center. She lived in that community. Her parents were raising her there in that community, and she was a part of this Hope Center. She was a sponsored child. So we went in, and when she came out to greet us, she was older than I thought she was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little child. She was about 14 or 15 years old. She'd been in the program since she was a little child, but now she's 14, 15 years old. And she came out, and when we walked into that apartment and she brought her parents out to meet us, uh, something changed. Like what I felt outside was not what I felt inside. When we walked in there, there was a sense of peace. There was a sense of um, like grace that, that just seemed to be uh, at, at rest in that home. And, and we all sensed it. Like we knew something was really different. She came to us with a huge smile on her face. She had big shiny braces that she had just gotten. And we started to talk to her. And, and I just watched her interact with all these big gringo pastors, and she was so confident and so competent and so excited and had so much hope. And when someone asked her, what do you want to be, which is a bit of a dangerous question to ask a child who's been raised in abject poverty, sure. sometimes they don't have dreams about what they want to be. But the pastor just asked her, said, what do you want to be? And she said, I'm going to be a dentist. She didn't say, I want to be a dentist. She didn't say, maybe someday. She said, I'm going to be a dentist. And I imagine she's thinking, like, one child helped me get these braces. Maybe I can help children get braces someday. So here's what happened. I walked back out into the war zone, and nothing had changed out there. It looked the same. It looked, it looked horrible. But in my heart, I said to God, if a child development program, the programs we run in our Hope Centers, if a child development program produces a teenager like that, I will advocate for children all day, every day, for the rest of my life. So. And that was seven years ago. I'm still doing it. So, so we heard stories about get out if you can. Yeah. The, uh, the barrio that we serve is Cienfuego. It's a hundred fires. And literally, 
um, there was, there was, I believe it was the seventies. Um, there was a tremendous fire that destroyed a bunch of homes and killed a bunch of kids and, and, and families. It was a bad, bad situation, but, um, but people just began to squat in this area, um, outside of the main city. And now I will tell you this, even in the six years that we've been going from the first time that we went and, and visited the church and the hope center, this is what I firmly believe. The church and the Hope Center is, is raising the standard of the community. Yeah. And there is hope that goes beyond just the kids that are being served. Why? Because it's producing. This was their 15th year in Cienfuego. Um, their 15th year of having a Hope Center in this community. And they have seen kids that, and, and just understand me, kids that nobody else is really paying attention to. Um, they're seeing these kids thrive and they're the worst of the worst in the worst situation, but they get connected to one child and now these kids are thriving above and beyond the rest of the kids in the community. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. So next question is, is what does one child do if, if a person chooses to sponsor a kid for $39 a month? Like what does that, what does that do for that kid? Yeah, so the, the $39 a month, I, when I went to work for One Child, I thought I knew what sponsorship was because I'd sponsored children for quite a few years. But what I didn't understand, I thought it was like they got stuff. Like you get clothes and you get food and you get, you know, what, but what they actually are, what actually happens is they get into a program. They're enrolled in a program, a development program. So it isn't just you get stuff and then you go home. It's you actually are in a program and you're there where people know you and care for you. They protect you. Uh, they, they help mentor you. They, we call them child champions. These are our child champions. We call ourselves a global community of child champions. And so what they're helping those children with is education, nutrition, medical needs, socialization, like a safe place for a child to be a child. That's the Hope Center. I told you the streets aren't safe. They're still playing out there, but they aren't safe. There's a safe place for them. There's safe people there for them. And there's also uh, the fact that all of our Hope Centers are connected to a gospel-believing, gospel-teaching church. So our volunteers, our child champions, are sharing their faith with those children as well. A lot of our children come to faith when they first come to the Hope Centers because they've never even heard the truth before. They've never even heard the gospel. And so they go through these development programs. They become that kind of teenage girl that I just described to you. And that happens because people like you become a champion for that child as well by sponsoring them for $39 a month. It's so good. And this is one thing that we have seen also. Um, the child has to be connected to a local church. And so one child partners with pastors and leaders and, and people that are involved in the church, children's ministry, whatnot, they partner with them and the child needs to remain a part of the church. And so once again, the gospel is able to do more even than a $39 check each month, right? And so you know that these kids, and I promise you, these kids are getting trained up by some incredible leaders. They're learning the gospel. In fact, some of what they know may challenge you when you find yourself going what they know about Jesus. And it's, it's just incredible. Um, this church right here, James, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but this church right here has come, to, has come alongside of the, the main hope center that we've, that we support, but, um, the area is growing and the, and the need for the kids is growing so much that we are in the middle of 
building what they're calling a chapel. It's connected to the same Hope Center, but it's a whole new building that, um, that, 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 that's going to have all of their kids as well. It's, a, it's far enough distance away so they won't have to travel as far, but it's going to be a church. It's going to be a Hope Center, and then by the time we're done, we're going to have a third level, which is just a safe place for the kids to, uh, um, you know what I mean, to play off of the streets and whatnot as well. But, um, but this is the cool thing. We've already raised money um, because of COVID. It, it, it had some delays, and then inflation, of course, hits the Dominican just like here. But I'm telling you, they have spent the monies that we've already sent very well. Um, they've built a really nice chapel in the back of the, of the property, and we're going to continue to work to raise money to finish the first level. Once the first level is complete, we'll build the second level. And once the second level is complete, we'll build the third level as well. But I want you to know, because of your generosity, we are reaching an entirely different community, even a harder hit community than the one that we're already planted in. And so I want to say Thank you, Grace Church, for being so generous. Amen. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we close things down today? Yeah, let, I'll, I'll just share with you what we're actually going to do here today. Um, we have an opportunity for those of you, if you don't yet sponsor a child and you would like to, you can. Uh, you'll find out the lobby area, you'll find a stand with profiles like this one. This little girl's name is Rose. And Rose is five years old. She was born on August 5th, 2017. Uh, she's from the Dominican Republic. All of the children we have with us today are from the Dominican Republic. So they're from the same communities where you guys are partnering. So you know that you can um, actually, if you go on a trip, you'll have a chance to meet that child. So tells you a little bit about Rose inside. If you wanted to learn some things, she's, she's got some, uh, she's going to have some uphill battle because her mom is a single mom. She's an only child to a single mom who has to work as a domestic uh, cleaner. So that means she really needs the Hope Center. She needs to have pl a place where she can be, uh, where other people are looking out for her. So here's what we're doing today. If you want to sponsor a child, just take this white card that's in the middle, fill that out, tear that out, and leave that with me. You can take the rest of this home. Just make sure you leave that with me. If you take the whole thing home because you want to pray on it, we lose track of that child. Internally, we call that kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, which is a felony. Yes, so um, some of you may have grabbed one on the way in. It's under your chair right now. And you're like, oh, I didn't know I was a felon. But uh, yeah, if you just leave that white card with us, that'd be great. And then you'll find out more about how to sponsor or how to uh, write letters to her or him and how to uh, send gifts, small gifts that you can send. And then hopefully you'll have a chance to actually go and meet them. But even if you can't go, like even if you know your circumstances will probably never allow you to go and meet that child. You still are building a relationship with an actual child. You can write letters to them. They'll write letters back to you. When your teams go, you can send gifts just for your child along with the team. So please don't feel like, I can't go, so I shouldn't sponsor. Uh, we have, a, I think, uh, 20, well, I, don't, I forgot the number, 24 uh, profiles out there, and then there's another 10 or so online. And you can just access that by going to the church website and uh, clicking on, I think, donate is the button that you click on or give. Right. Give. It's give. on the give tab. Scroll, scroll all the way to the bottom. All the way to the bottom. And if you need help, we can certainly help you with that. Can we give James just a big shout, big round of applause? Thank you for what you do, sir. 
Last bit of information, then we're going to sing a worship song. For those of you that know, the first year that we had gone over there, we felt as a church that we wanted to start building homes. We would like to build homes because a home can change not only the family's life, but it can change the family for generations upon generations. And so one child has come up, and it's part of, I believe, their Sparks program now, that, um, that as we pray about it and we find needs over there, we can raise anywhere between, you know, three to $7,000 as a church, send some construction workers over with us and be a part of building a home for a family that will change their life for the entirety of their life and their children as well. So things are opening up in the Dominican Republic for One Child and Grace Church to continue this incredible partnership to make a difference in the lives of these children. Be praying about how it is that you can get involved. A great place to start is sponsoring a child. God bless you. Let's go ahead and worship the Lord and then we'll close things down. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.